0: trust you it's in your heavenly name we pray amen 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 man it is good to see you today 10 o'clock uh, you're kind of a rowdy bunch today aren't you uh, it's good it's i uh, appreciate these guys leading us don't you uh, appreciate these guys leading us today in worship i um uh, really thankful really thankful uh Man, I'm glad you're here. If you're new to Real Life, welcome. We are really, 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 really glad that you're here and believe that God has a reason for every one of us being here and uh, wants to speak to each of us today, no matter where you're at, what you have going on in your life. Uh, I believe God wants to meet you right where you are and leads you to a place of hope and healing, strengthen him. And I uh, believe with all my heart that God wants to empower you to go on this mission with us to reach this world for Jesus one person at a time. You know, last week we got to celebrate as five more people were baptized into water. Can we celebrate that? Now, that's a miracle. Those are lives being rescued out of hell. Those are people that are now uh, walking towards freedom and healing in Jesus. And uh, we love to see lives changed around here, don't we? We love to watch as God is calling people, drawing people to Himself. They're your friends. They're uh, maybe a neighbor or a co-worker, somebody you go to school with. And God is using you to see these people come to know who Jesus is and the hope that we have in Jesus. I also want to celebrate because uh, we got a whole bunch of new people that started in groups this last week. Ninety-seven people were out. <laughs> our new groups last Monday night. That is pretty... Pretty phenomenal to watch. 97 more people get connected around here. For us, to be in a group is to be in relationship with other people that are helping you grow spiritually. And it's such a powerful place to be uh, when you are growing in your relationship with other people that are helping you grow towards your potential in Jesus. If you're not already connected, you don't know anybody around here, man, we want to help you with that. That card on your seat can get that process going. We would love to talk to you even in the lobby today as you are leaving. Uh, We will introduce you to people. We'll get you connected. There's groups all over the city, all different nights of the week. Um, These new ones on Monday nights are meeting here with child care and food provided, uh, trying to get these groups up and running here at our building. And so I think there's even probably still time to jump in those. And so uh, we would love to help you take that step this week and really, really excited if you do. I I wanted to invite you to pray about something with me. Uh, Often, Around here, we're looking to go, okay, God, where are you at work? And what do you want us to do about uh, the invitation we're sensing to be a part of what you are doing in people's lives? And it is clear that God is working through so many people here at Real Life. And we are going, okay, God, we want to jump in. We're not sure exactly what this looks like, but as we were preaching last week about the mustard seed, if you were here, uh, you know, God was moving in that time as we're going, hey, the kingdom of heaven is like this mustard seed that. It's the smallest seed in the garden, but it grows to become this place of, of, of massive branches and birds of the air come and find them shelter in, in its branches and there's a place of rest there and people get their, their first glimpse of Jesus because the kingdom has grown in people's hearts in such a massive way. And we have this sense of call on our lives to be that kind of place of shelter as a church and Man, I think it's really practical. God has been showing our team there's there's really four key places that he's inviting us to join him in right now. Many of you know our One Heart team. We we love to serve kids in our city through One Heart Spokane. Uh, we've been able to help over 30,000 kids get back to school uh, every year for the last 12 years. That 30,000 total. That's, that's an amazing amount of kids that have gotten back to school with haircuts and brand new pair of shoes. Um, that team, uh, we see the need for that staff to grow, uh, to to have somebody that's actually a part of our team as a fundraiser for all the future events that God has ahead of us and we see that as a multiplier there are so many people in our city that want to love and serve kids uh, we just got to connect them with the opportunities that God is giving us we're gonna provide meals at Thanksgiving for families that's another one where it's gonna take a whole bunch of money and a whole bunch of opportunity for people to really rally and, and love and serve kids that way uh, we see that as a massive need to step into as well as this our our recovery ministry has been growing like crazy over the last year and it is so cool to watch as it just got started a year ago a whole new leadership team has been raised up and now a whole bunch more people are saying hey let's help more people that are stuck they're hurting uh, they've got habits or they've got something that's hanging them up in life we want to meet people at that spot and create a place of shelter that they could actually grow and know who Jesus is and know freedom in their lives and we see the opportunity to invest in our recovery more, as well as this, our benevolence ministry. As our economy is struggling, man, there are so many people that are coming to us for help, whether it's for a, a, a housing need, a utility bill, and we are able to, to minister to them in this place of financial help. And what's so crazy is that the need is just overwhelming. If you talk to our office staff, man, the phone calls all hours of the day every day it is just overwhelming to our team we see an opportunity to expand that create a whole ministry team uh, where people are here throughout the week helping minister to those needs in addition to that to actually build a food distribution room here at real life that we're able to practically help meet that need in people's lives these four areas I want you to pray about because I, I believe God wants us to give financially in a one-time offering uh, over and above our normal ties November 20th, and say, okay, God, we want to put a, a seed in the ground, a mustard seed. might feel small and insignificant, but we are trusting, God, that you are going to do something supernatural through this. I know as the economy is tight on all of us, it's hard to consider that, but here's what I want to ask you to do. Pray. If God doesn't tell you to give, don't give. But if God calls you to give, man, what an opportunity to see him do something supernatural through us as a church. Between now and November 20th, that's my my ask to us is to pray. God, would you have my family given this? What would you have us give? Would you not have us give? God, we want to hear from you and we want to join God at work in these areas. And I think between these four areas there's an opportunity for us to become a massive place of shelter in our city, don't you think? And to meet people right where they are and trust that God is going to do something supernatural through them through this these ministries and this expansion that we see in front of us. Well, Pray about it, and I'm excited to see what God does and how he does it in each of us and through you. Sound good? Yes, Yes, all right. Well, I want to get to God's word together today. Would you open your Bible to Matthew chapter 18? That's where we are today. Matthew chapter 18. If you need to Google it or ask somebody nearby you, what is Matthew and where is 18, that is fine. Totally do that. Uh, We want to help everybody there. We'll have stuff on the screen as well to help you follow along today. We've been having a conversation over the last several weeks trying to understand the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. The thing that Jesus talked about the most was the kingdom of God. And us as a people have a heart and a desire to know what does it mean to be a part of the kingdom and a people of the kingdom? And what is my part individually? What is our part collectively? How do we live as a part of the kingdom of God? Not the kingdom of this world or the kingdom of the life that I've been trying to build for myself, but the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. What does that look like for us? Jesus tells these stories. They're called parables. They're kind of like a a story that he paints a picture using kind of real life examples, and and he invites the hearer to look below the surface a little bit to understand what he's talking about. It creates a hunger in the hearer to go, do I understand what he's saying? He'll often say, hey, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And we're all left wondering, do I have ears to hear? Do I understand what he's saying? Am I hungry enough to kind of look below the surface and try to discern what he's saying to me personally, to us collectively, that's really the invitation of these parables is to hear with this heart that's hungry and humble and wants to know what God has to say to each of us. And so my hope is that you would have that kind of heart today and that God would speak powerfully to each of us. Let me tell you the story from Matthew 18 today. Jesus had just finished teaching about forgiveness and reconciliation of broken relationships and peter comes to jesus and he asks him a question lord how many times do i need to forgive my brother when he sins against me like seven times jesus says to peter no peter not seven times more like 70 times seven or 77 times a lot more than seven he says, in fact, the kingdom of heaven is like a master who wanted to settle accounts with all of his debtors, all of his servants that were indebted to him. And so he called one particular servant into in, him, and um, the servant owed him bags, thousands of bags of gold, insurmountable amount of money. master um, calls it due, and the servant falls on his knees on his face in front of the master, begging, pleading, Lord Master, be patient with me. I, I, I can't pay it back now, but 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 I, I will if you just give me a little bit more time. I mean the master's about to have his family thrown in prison and and, and his wife and kids sold so that he could pay back this debt. And he's just be patient with me. And in an act of mercy, the master cancels the debt completely. The servant leaves this moment of extreme generosity and mercy finds another, another fellow servant right after he leaves the master's presence. And this fellow servant owes him like a few hundred pieces of silver. And he begins to choke this fellow servant, pay me back. Begins demanding payment from him. And, and, and the fellow servant does exactly what he had just done in front of the master. He begs him for mercy. He says, no, no, please be patient with me. Don't, don't throw my wife, my kids in prison. Like I will, I, will, I will pay you back. And he doesn't, listen, has his wife, his kids thrown in prison, him thrown in prison until he could pay back every last piece of silver. Other servants see this interaction, and they're outraged. Like, how could he? They run and they tell the master. The master calls this wicked servant back to himself and says, you know, you are, you are wicked. I just forgave you of this insurmountable debt and here you are choking out your fellow servant for, for a few hundred pieces of silver. He has him bound. He has him drug away by the, the guard and thrown into prison, tortured. And Jesus finishes this story with just a simple warning. If, this is how my heavenly father will treat you unless you forgive your brother or your sister from your heart this is the story from god's word as we dig below the surface of this story it doesn't take much digging does it today there's a clear sense that forgiveness is the way of the kingdom that the kingdom of heaven the kingdom of god is built on forgiveness forgiveness The way we enter into the kingdom is through the forgiveness of the master and the expectation is that forgiveness is reciprocated in all of our lives in every relationship. There's this clarity around what we've received that that every servant in this story recognizes the mercy of the master on their life and that they are viewing every relationship through the lens of the mercy that they have received. I think that's Something for us to pay attention to in this story. As well as this, that there is a clear judgment moment at the end of this story. Like if you don't forgive, your father in heaven's not going to forgive you. In fact, that echoes Jesus' words earlier in his teaching. And, and, and it's really apparent by this story that we will be judged on how we forgive other people in our heart. I want to pray. Just ask God to help us see our... Our story in this story and what he might say to each of us today let's pray lord we come to you now this is a big conversation lord we ask holy spirit that you'd be our helper that you would lead us into all truth that you would um, take our hearts as fragile and broken as some of us are and as bitter and stuck as some of us are god that you would lead our hearts into the place of healing and restoration transformation god that you want to do through this passage lord i know today is going to be the beginning of a lot of deep work in many of our hearts god and i just pray that you would just begin that process in your grace and your love that your love would be powerfully here today god we're trusting you to lead us lord we just surrender to you in this time and ask you to speak in jesus name can you say amen today Amen. amen and i i remember the first time i was going to preach this passage years ago I was mowing my lawn one day, and uh, I was praying frantically as I was mowing because I had to preach the next day on this passage, and I had no clue what I was going to preach on. It was like I'd been working on it, working on it for weeks, and and just the sermon would not flow. There was like this block in my heart almost like a dam of like the spirit of god could not quicken my heart and my mind to actually discern what i was supposed to say and how this sermon was supposed to go and i was reeling and i'm praying frantically as i'm mowing it led up to this through several years of all kinds of hurt and chaos. My wife and I had just moved to North Idaho at this point. We, I grew up in the Seattle area and uh, she grew up in Coeur d'Alene. We met at school over there in Seattle and, and uh, I got right into ministry and uh, God did great things in ministry as, as we were pastors youth pastors, young adult pastors. And man, as that um, second ministry assignment unraveled, it was painful because I had just gotten hired. I was three weeks into a new job. And six of my best friends from college all got hired at the same church. It was my home church that I grew up in. It was like dream come true. This is going to be amazing. And, and three weeks into that job assignment, the, my mentor who had really mentored me all through college, he was the youth pastor there and was now stepping into more and more roles there, um, he came to me and he said, hey, uh, I need to talk to you. You know that Sunday night service that we're doing here at the church, I'm actually going to take that whole chunk of people, probably three, 400 families. This is a church of like 4,000 people. Uh, we're going to take that and start a whole new church. And I need you to kind of stay here and hold down the fort. It's like, okay. And, and over the next several weeks and months, as that transition began to happen, Watching him and my senior pastor that I dearly loved and, and respected so much of my life, fighting and, and, and the brokenness, this church of 4,000 shrinking to about 1,200 over the next 18 months. And all of the brokenness that was transpiring, this, this bitter root began to take hold in my heart. The way I thought church should be and the way I thought ministry would be and the kind of people that I was going to get to work with and the kind of things God was going to do through us and all the expectation was just in the toilet. All the hopes, all the dreams, all of that was just a train wreck and I didn't realize how bitter I had become. We quit. I ended up quitting ministry altogether, running from God. I lasted like six months on my sprint. It didn't go well. God humbled me and and, and got me back into ministry, and this is where I was mowing the lawn. I was just a few months back into ministry, and God was really giving me opportunities to grow and preach. And and here I am mowing the lawn, and it was like in this stuck, damned-up place, just so clearly the Holy Spirit just overwhelmed me bro, you need to take care of your heart. What's gone on inside you and where you're at in your heart. Like you've moved on physically, but spiritually and emotionally, you are stuck. I stopped the mower right there. I did. And I I walked inside, sat down, and I typed up an email to my senior pastor that I'd worked for, that I'd grew up underneath. And I just sent him a simple apology. And and really asking for forgiveness that I had allowed this bitterness to creep in towards him and towards that whole situation. And I'm sure it was hard for them. And he probably had no idea what to do. And I said, if there's anything that I need to apologize for, please tell me. And he emailed me right back. I was not expecting that. I kind of thought, I'll make peace. It'll be good. I'll go back and mow the lawn. No, it was like instant ding, you know, like, oh. And he had a whole list of things that I had done as well. And it was so good for me to kind of take a step back and go, man, in my bitterness and in my angst and my anger and all these broken places that I had experienced, things that had been done to me, I was just as sinful and just as much of a mess as all the brokenness that was going on. And I was able to own those things, apologize to him, make amends right there over over that conversation. And I walked back outside and it was just like, the Holy Spirit just filled me with this message on forgiveness. I can't think, help but think like some of us are kind of like we have things in our lives and people that have hurt us and situations that have gone on. And, and we feel like the best way to just deal with it is just put our head down and keep after the task that's ahead of us. Maybe it's like me. Just mow the lawn. Just do the thing. Raise the kids. Keep the marriage going. Make more money at work. Just just pretend like that childhood didn't happen. Pretend like they didn't really betray you. And and, and if we're not careful, there's resentments, there's bitterness, there's stuck places. There's literally dams in our hearts and our minds emotionally and spiritually, like stuck thresholds that we just can't get past. And Jesus is wanting to set his people free. Peter, I identify with so much in this story. He's like, hey, Lord, how many times do I need to forgive? Like seven times? That feels like a lot. And I think I used to kind of like make fun of Peter for this, honestly. I'd be like, come on, Peter. You know Jesus, and you know the kingdom. It's all about forgiveness. But then like as I've been, I've been betrayed, and I've been, uh, sh- oh, man, stabbed in the back and there's been things that have gone on in my life and in my story just like there has been in your story I empathize way more with Peter's question and it feels more like this Lord how much more can I take how much more pain how much more betrayal how much more um, angst and bitterness and how many more times Lord is it going to go like this and I, I recognize Peter's question is is a question that comes up in many of our hearts because there's this sense underneath the surface that our lives shouldn't be painful, right? Like we came to Jesus, and, and we came for healing, and we came for hope, and we came for a life change, and it feels like it's still really difficult. And people are still really mean and all the hurts from my past still continue to like sit right there in my heart. And I want to be done with all of that. And so all I know to do is pretend like none of that happened and I'm just trying to move on. How many more times, Jesus, is it going to be like this? And it feels like the question comes from a place of if we're not careful, an expectation and almost maybe even an entitlement that my life should not have pain in it, Jesus. And so how many more times is pain going to come? How many more times is, is, is somebody going to let me down or am I going to be betrayed? And I think it's important that we, we uncover this in our own hearts because if we're not careful, I, I look back at that time, and a lot of the hurt for me was because of my expectation that I had put on other people. And they didn't meet my expectation, so I am hurt by them. <laughs> they had no idea that I had that expectation of them. But, but, but I actually did, and, and so because they didn't meet my standards or my expectations, they're the perpetrator, right? They're the evil one, and I've decided in my heart that they hurt me. And if we're not careful, this kind of entitlement creeps into a lot of our relationships. And it was actually pride that enslaved me to the hurt and the bitterness that, that had, had kind of happened in those years. Was there a lot of hard stuff? Absolutely. But somewhere in there, I got justified in my anger. I got entitled to my bitterness. And it was those places that were actually damming up my heart and my spirit that the spirit was wanting to get released. And I think about our stories and I go, man, there's probably a lot of us that struggle to, to have this sense of freedom in our hearts because pain just continues to be a part of our lives. I think it'd be good just to hear from Jesus today that, that pain seems to be a part of the process. How many times? Probably like 70 times seven, Peter. A lot more than you're, you're ready for. Come on, Lord, really? Yeah, really. And you know what's so amazing about Jesus is he's not like going, yeah, it's gonna be hard for you. Good thing I'm God and my life works perfectly. (laughs) Jesus is our model. And he's not just our model in like, all the great things, right? Of the healer, the, the, the one that like brings all this hope and joy in people's lives. He's also our model in, I mean, Jesus lived his entire ministry under suspicion always wondering who was going to betray him, always wondering who was out to get him, where this question was coming from. Are they trying to trap me in this question? Always hearing of the slander and the gossip and all the backbiting and even watching his closest friends run for their lives in his moment of greatest need. Jesus' entire story is a story of brokenness and and betrayal and and suspicion and, and people coming after him, hunting him down. And if our master and our model live this kind of a life, who do we think we are to be entitled to a pain-free existence? He is our model. And so I can gently hear Jesus responding to Peter. And it's not maybe with the same tone I have in this moment, but Peter, Peter, probably a lot more than seven times. Probably way more than you're saddled up for and ready for. And I think what's so good about this warning from Jesus is just that, hey, if you didn't have a pain-free existence, I shouldn't feel entitled to that as well. And it just sets the the expectation, like pain is part of the process. In fact, the Spirit of God is so good at taking pain and using it for our transformation. And so sometimes when we're resisting pain, we're actually resisting the work of the Spirit inside of us. If we're not careful, we we get... enslaved and entrapped in this place of like I thought my life should be better than this or I thought people wouldn't actually hurt me like this and and you end up being bitter about your bitterness it's compounding it's really a slippery slope where you're mad about your hurt and like how hurtful those people are and those things are and 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 you get kind of angry like it shouldn't be like this And that anger actually leads to more anger and more bitterness. And it's this negative compounding interest that you don't want in your life. It will dig you into a hole where where your threshold for growth and potential will be completely capsized. You'll be stuck. You will not grow. You will not be fruitful. You will not become who God made you to be. And so, so it's an invitation from Jesus to go, hey, don't get stuck there. Thinking you're, you're, you're supposed to have this perfect pain-free life. Like everybody's got issues and everybody's got people in their life that have betrayed them and hurt them. And, and, and my people are people who understand this and recognize this and don't get stuck on this and, and bitter about the fact that life is hard and relationships are broken and people mess up. The kingdom is built on forgiveness. Forgiveness. When I look at this story, I just feel an invitation from Jesus to go, okay, let's not, let's not get bitter about how difficult things are. Let's not get stuck in these places where we can't grow. In fact, it's like Jesus is saying, hey, I want you to unlock the door in your heart. The story, it's an interesting picture. So the servant's forgiven of this immeasurable amount of money, bags and bags and bags and bags, thousands of bags of gold. You can hardly put a number on it. And he takes that forgiveness that he's received and he goes out and he begins to choke out his fellow servant for a few hundred pieces of silver, still a a bunch of money, I'm sure. I mean, that's a lot of silver, but, but in comparison, it's really not even close at all. It's like he has amnesia, right? He's forgotten the, the immense gift that he's just received. And now he's choking out his fellow servant. And what, what I sense in this story is that the, 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 the reversal is totally missed this guy. That he's just been set free. And instead of walking in that freedom, he is still enslaved to a place of pride and entitlement in his heart. So much so that he's willing to choke this this fellow servant out for these few hundred pieces of silver. What's interesting, it's like he's throwing this guy in prison, but he's actually slamming the door in his own heart, locking himself into this prison cell and, and, and demanding payment. And I just think Jesus wants his people to be free. He wants you to experience the freedom of the forgiveness of the master in your life. He wants you to feel the, the mercy that has been poured out on you and not allow your heart to get stuck in this place where you're demanding payment from somebody in your life. Here's what I know about this is every one of your stories is so unique. I can't pretend to dive into every nuance of every single one of your situations. But I do know this. That the Spirit of God is so good that He knows exactly who you are. And He is so loving that He wants to walk with you out of this place of enslavery and imprisonment to the bitterness and the hurt that you've experienced that He is willing to get into this mess with you. And my hope is just to kind of start this journey for you today. I, I really believe with all my heart that the Spirit of God wants to take you out of this hurt and this enslavery into a place of healing. And it starts with you recognizing, I need to forgive. I need to open the door, and they very well may hurt me again, or there may be stuff that happens again in my life, but I need to forgive. Let me encourage you with this, that forgiveness is maybe different than what you've learned or heard or seen Forgiveness is not life just going back to the way it used to be. In fact, that's what some of us are terrified of because it was dangerous that way. It was abusive. It was, it was uh, unwise. It was limiting to who you are and who God's called you to be. Forgiveness is more about beginning to move forward in the grace of God. And understanding that there is a future and a new story that God is wanting to write. And he's wanting to write in your heart and in their heart. But, but, but it starts with you opening the door. Going, okay, I want to see a new future. I want to see God do something supernatural in this relationship. And I don't know what reconciliation looks like. Don't hear me just prescribing that as a blanket statement. Reconciliation is, is a messy process of discovering what the future will look like. And I believe with all my heart that, that God has a part to play in that. You have a part to play in that, and they have a part to play in that. God will always be faithful to do his part. He will always bring conviction. He will always bring love. He will always remind you of his mercy. He will always work in this place towards reconciliation. And, and you have your responsibility to forgive, to open the door, to trust that God is going to do something supernatural in this relationship, but they have their part as well. And I don't know what all those parts look like exactly but you are not ever going to be able to do god's part and you are not responsible for their part you are responsible for your part and i think it's so so important that you just take kind of a, a step right there and go okay well what is my part god What does it look like to unlock the door and allow this forgiveness to begin to flow in this relationship? I don't want to go back to the way it was, but I'm trusting you're going to show me what the future looks like. It may be unsafe for you to be in that same kind of relationship. It may be very unwise for you to be in that same kind of relationship again. And just recognizing there's a lot of dynamics to every one of your stories. I just wanted to kind of set this precedent so that you could go, okay, what is my part? What is God's part? What is their part? And I'm going to trust that, God, you're calling me to do my part. That's forgiveness. That's releasing of this bitterness. That's not allowing all of this to to become my identity. It's bitterness never intended to be your identity. So there's an invitation out of that. And I think the most powerful part of this story is the mountain of debt that the servant was initially forgiven. And I think that this is what Jesus is really trying to teach Peter and teach us. Hey. Don't forget. Don't have this amnesia about how good God is in your life. It's really a picture of the gospel that you and I were born with this sinful nature ruling our hearts and our lives controlling our every thought and decision and leading us away from, really in rebellion to God in His way, in His kingdom. And that rebellion has piled up mountains and mountains and mountains of debt between us and God. Deserving of His wrath, enemies of God. But God in His goodness and in His mercy made a decision. He decided to see you not for who you've been and where you've been and what you've done, but He made a decision to see you through the lens of the the perfection of his son, Jesus Christ. That if you would put your faith in Jesus Christ, you would receive forgiveness of that mountain of debt. That you would actually have the opportunity to walk out from underneath that debt and be be free to become who God made you to be. To be able to be right with God. Free from your sin, free from your shame, free from the guilt of everything you've ever done and every word you've ever said, that you would have the freedom now to, to begin to walk towards the potential that God has for every single one of your lives. This, this whole story is a picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is how much you owe, but this is how good God is. That in his mercy, in his grace, he made a decision that you are worth dying for. That you were worth giving his son for. As Jesus is hanging on that cross, he is making payment for your and my sin. He is making payment in that moment for the mountain of debt that we owed God. And in that moment, as he is is breathing his last breath, that is a moment of reconciliation that that is a message for all of mankind, that you can now be right with God the way you were designed to be in relationship with your creator, the one who knows you, has created you, has purpose for you, has plans for you. You now can walk right with God because that debt has been paid for once and all through Jesus Christ. Amen? It's been paid for. So this is how we are to see the people in our lives. Oh, the mercy we've received. Oh, that same mercy I want to give. When did God decide to forgive you? Not when you got the books balanced. Ephesians 2. Paul says, all of us lived among the world at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest of humanity, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of God's great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions it is by grace you have been saved that grace fills us with compassion to forgive that mercy that we have received that fills us with mercy to forgive those in our life this is my hope real life is that we would hear this story and personally we'd go oh God thank you thank you for forgiving me thank you for your your mercy god limitations three says that his mercy is compassion it's new everybody it's not like you used it all up yesterday it's new today thank you God great great is your faithfulness god the sun could come up and that we could have another day of God's mercy His compassion His grace on our lives how many times Lord should we forgive here's the answer every day great is your faithfulness God my hope is that the spirit of God would speak to you about your next steps today maybe some of you are for the first time saying I I need that mercy from God I need the mountain of gold that debt I need that paid for good news is Jesus offers that salvation to all anyone who would repent anyone who would recognize their sinfulness how indebted they are to God and choose to turn turn from your way to God's way turn from yourself to Jesus right now And in that place of humility and repentance God fills you with the spirit and begins to empower you to live the life that he's called you to live. This decision is marked by baptism. That's why we celebrated a little bit bit ago of lives being changed and people being baptized. And I want to call you to make that decision today and take that step today to be baptized. Our team will meet you in the back here in a moment. We've got shirts and towels and shorts, everything you need to take that step today. Got a tank is always full, always ready to help anybody take that first step with Jesus. Others of you, your next step, to unlock that door. You're not sure what the future looks like, so it's terrifying. But God still invites you to come out of that hole, come out of that stuck place, come out of that prison, and allow Him to walk you into that future, that healed, restored place that He invites you to. Would you stand to your feet with me today? I'd love to pray over you. Spirit we just soften our hearts before you right now you're so faithful great is your faithfulness God your mercies are new every morning your compassion's God they're new every day and we just rest today in your forgiveness and the debt that you canceled on our behalf God that you saw fit by your love and in your mercy by the power of your grace, God, to forgive every single one of us, God. Those in the room that have yet to receive that forgiveness, God, by your power and your love, compel them right now to come to faith in you, Jesus Christ. We're just declaring salvation over this room by your power and in your authority, Jesus. We're also declaring healing, God, that you would set captives free today. Those bound up by bitterness and unforgiveness, God, did you set us free? Make a way, God, for us to walk into the future, trusting that you are good, you're in control. You have a story that you're writing that we can't see the end of yet, God, and we're trusting that you have a really good ending in mind, God. Give us the courage to trust you, courage to forgive, courage to to know that there's a new way forward, God. And, And God, I pray that you would lead your church intimately, God. Give us the right people to talk with, the right godly counsel and wisdom to lead us into what the future looks like god we just ask for the right people in every one of our lives right now god miraculously do it lord we trust you jesus